Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. Our next guest on Be Brave at Work is Dahlia Feldheim. Dahlia is an award-winning creative brand builder, organization builder, and relentless results-oriented executive with 20-plus years of success as a transformational leader at Procter & Gamble and Electrolux. Dahlia is the founder of the Procter & Gamble Women's Network in Moscow and Singapore, and author of MOM, which stands for Managing Our Maternity, an internal Procter & Gamble maternity guide, which has been translated to 26 languages. Her first public book, Dare to Lead Like a Girl, promoted a more feminine style of leadership and has a foreword by Sheryl Sandberg, who is currently the COO of Meta. Today, Dahlia is the founder of Flow Leadership Consultancy, and she is a sought-after international keynote speaker, executive coach, and organizational consultant on a mission to humanize the workplace and drive resilience and joy at work so more leaders, men as well as women, connect to their softer skills and dare to lead like a girl. Dahlia, welcome to Be Brave at Work. Thank you so much. Lovely to be here. I shared a brief history of your background, and I think our listeners would love to hear more from you. Uh, any additional information that we should know and how you are currently interacting in the marketplace. Wow. So you covered it quite well. So I studied psychology and business and I started back in 1998 with Procter & Gamble as a marketeer. And I call those years with Procter & Gamble my years of flow. You probably heard the term, right? It's when we're completely aligned with our purpose. I very quickly realized that my purpose is all about people and creativity. And P&G is very much a people-focused company. So I was able to coach, train. I became a training junkie, even you know, as a marketing director. And I also was lucky to do campaigns that were very much on, on purpose, like Always Like a Girl, which uh, became one of Forbes' you know, most influential campaigns of the decade. And so I was really lucky. I mean, I... I was with PNG. We started off in Geneva. I moved to Moscow with them and then to Singapore. Um, and that uh, gave me a little bit of the positive experience in the workplace. So I've seen and felt what it means like to work for a company that really believes in take care of your people and the business takes care of yourself. 
But the last three years, I left P&G. I took a CMO role in another company. And, you know, the company is great. I love the global CEO and the global CMO's vision. And everything seemed amazing. I was to be head of, you know, Asia marketing, 150 people. But a few months into the role, I got a new boss who couldn't have been more different than I was. Uh, and it really put my courage uh, to the challenge and all my values, to be honest, to my challenge. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But basically, I am considered quite a courageous person. So I was determined not to quit despite a very challenging kind of a toxic environment. So I was determined not to quit and uh, stayed there for three years. And when I left, I remember thinking to myself, whoa, what a waste of human potential. Here I was, same person. In one company, I was top rated all of my career, right? And they delivered amazing results. Second company, they thought I delivered, but I knew I gave them 10% of my ability because I was so busy, you know, defending myself, right? And that kind of led me to take a couple of years originally, a couple of years off to study. Research is me search. I wanted to kind of understand how you can coach yourself out of a toxic environment. And that led me to study positive psychology, organizational psychology. I started to teach at the Singapore Management University, the science of uh, happiness and suffering. And it was actually one of my students that made me pivot my career. So when I was teaching, I was a nutty professor. I, uh, I really enjoyed, you know, bringing in the academic rigor, but also my own style, which is very practical. And so I took them out to the botanical gardens and I did for them a find your purpose workshop that became my favorite workshop with companies these days. And at the end of the workshop, this 23 year old Singaporean kid raises his hand and he's like, prof. Thank you so much. I now know what my purpose is, but I know I need to be a corporate slave and then I'll do what I love, right? You're laughing, but that's kind of, you know, that made my hair stand up because I knew it doesn't need to be that way. And that kid kind of made me realize that that's what I need to pivot on uh, to. You know, I decided to pivot my career to focus on working with individuals and companies on bringing more purpose and joy and teaching leaders how to be more you know, to humanize the workplace and be more of what I've seen uh, in the first example and less of what I've seen in the second examples. So that's what I do today. I work with uh, companies, you know, the Microsofts, the Googles of the world. I also co-founded a company, an edutech company called Appiness, Up Your Game at Work, which is actually a game. It's an online slash hybrid game that helps leaders solve their daily challenges using tools from the world of positive psychology. So that's kind of what I'm passionate about doing today. Well, thank you for sharing uh, your story with us. And, you know, this experience that you had uh, is an experience that most of us have had throughout our careers. And oftentimes we are hired by somebody that we connect with really well. In fact, that's probably one of the reasons we got hired is because we connected really well. Uh, you know, there's that old Cinderella complex that we like to hire people who are just like us. And then they move on, right? They move on to another opportunity and they are replaced, right? You didn't hire the person, but somebody else does. And we don't get along. And it's not necessarily that we don't like each other, but we're just very different. 
potentially and how we operate, how we see the world, how we work. And this creates a whole new experience for us at the workplace. And I'm just curious if you could tell us a little bit more about the impact that that change had on you. And if, in fact, there were some opportunities where you could have been brave and said something and decided not to and why, or was there a moment where you were brave other than when you decided to leave and uh, the impact that that might have had? It's it's interesting, right, when you say kind of the word brave. So, you know, I'm, I'm an ex-competitive gymnast, an ex-platoon commander. For me, kind of, you know, I love giving it all. You know, for me, it's about I'm not afraid of of feedback or, you know, in, we always say conflict is an opportunity for connection, right? Because if there's conflict, that means it's really important for you and the other person. So, so I kind of went into the scenario, but, um, maybe I'll tell you a little bit of, I didn't share as much of that, uh, kind of experience, but basically when I say we couldn't have been more different, right? So I'm all about passion, and people and creativity. And he was all about scorecard and numbers and ROI, but it was very extreme, right? It was very transactional. Most days it's felt like ROI or you die kind of environment. And what's worse is, you know, all my strengths that led me to succeed 17 years were not only not appreciated, they were kind of totally dismissed, right? So I was too good with my people. I was too motherly. I was um, too creative. Where's the process, right? <laughs> In one meeting, we, as a leadership team, we got feedback that we are too negative as a leadership team. Surprise, surprise, right? So I raised my hand and I said, hey, I, I'm studying positive psychology. I would love to do something for us as a team. And to this, to this he basically answered, oh, that won't be needed. Thank you, Miss Kumbaya. And that became kind of my nickname, right? I was even too positive. And I think the um, the first experience when I actually realized that it's not just conflict or it's not just challenging because I love challenges, but it's actually toxic is when one day, I think it was six months into the role, right? And I was one of the only women on the team. It was only me and the HR manager. And I kind of was called into his office, summoned. I was in another meeting. I got called into his office and he started giving me feedback. Now, I told you, I love feedback. We used to call it tough love in PNG. Um, I hate sugarcoating. Give it to me as it is, right? I love the direct tough, but it has to be with love, right? From a position of care. Well, I can tell you, Ed, there was no love <laughs> that day. It was just denigrating, humiliating belittling, really. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of holding it in, right? Now, I did have the experience of PNG of kind of crying in the workplace. I remember, you know, very early on an experience of crying in my GM's office. And back in PNG, my GM, who was kind of a, an amazing people person, he told me then, Dahlia, don't ever be embarrassed for crying in the office. It's a sign of your passion. And passion is your superpower. And if you ever work for someone that doesn't appreciate that, please walk away. They don't deserve you. So I grew up with that, you know, being yourself, being passionate is great. So anyway, fast forward these 17 years, this new company, this new boss, I'm sitting in the office and I'm holding it in, right? But then he starts kind of humiliating my team. And that's when Ed, I became a lioness because I don't know about you, but you know, I, it just felt so unfair. I knew how hard they worked. 
And I was getting so angry and so frustrated. And when I get frustrated, I tear up. A tiny tear appeared in my eye and it was almost like he was waiting for it, right? And he smiled at me and he gave me a box of tissues. And for a moment, I had that warm, fuzzy feeling remembering that first boss, Jim. But then I, re- I remember I lifted my eyes and I noticed something weird about his smile, almost evil. And he turned around the tissue box and I couldn't believe my eyes, right? On the other side of a t- that tissue box was a handmade sticker he prepared with, with shred Dahlia's tissue box. So I remember, right? I was like, are you kidding me? This is an HR assault. And he kind of leaned back and he said, oh, stop being so emotional. It's just boy banter. I know you have a sense of humor. Now, that was just one case. I mean, he kind of jokingly told everyone, oh, you think Dahlia's a tough cookie, a platoon commander. She has a tissue box with her name on it. And all these small death by a thousand paper cuts, right, uh, events. But I was determined I'm not going to quit. Why should I quit? I'm not a quitter, right? And I know to manage up. I am going to win this person over. I'm going to work hard and he's going to see how amazing I am. And, you know, right, it was all this. And I'm going to coach him. And it was this whole dance of death later on, I kind of realized, because what I wanted is appreciation and what he wanted is appreciation, but for different things, right? So, you know, first year for me, it was all about fights, right? You're emotionally kind of so giving feedback and volunteering and trying to change the environment. That was my fight. And I very quickly realized you can't change someone that doesn't want to change, right? And you can't change the environment, only how you choose to react to it. So second year for me was a little bit about flight. I you know, I avoided conflict. And that's when I wasn't brave. Okay. Because I was saying to myself, okay, shut up and listen. Maybe there's a lesson for you. And I tried to fix everything he thought it needed fixing. And I very quickly realized that, you know, focusing on your weaknesses weakens you. And at the end of that second year, yes, I delivered my scorecard, but I felt physically sick. I realized that I left my courage Okay, my heart and my art at the doorway and a new emotion crept into my life called fear. I never felt fear of anyone in my whole life. So I am fearing a boss. How crazy is that? And I think what saved me was perspective. So at the beginning of the third year, I actually attended a P&G alumni event. So my previous company, right? And I saw all my ex-bosses and leaders talk about servant leadership and people come first and I literally remember, Ed, I planked myself down in the seat and I said, oh my God, what has happened to me? I had become a frog in boiling water. It's time to jump, right? Um, But jumping did take a lot of courage because at that stage, I was the main breadwinner. My husband opened a startup. I didn't want to rock the boat too much. Um, So, but I did make a decision, no matter what, I'm going to leave at the end of that year. But I'm not going to leave before I bring back my heart and my art to the to the workplace. So I made a decision. I'm going to drop the fear and bring back my courage, focus on my strengths, which I knew were people and creativity. So I brought together my team and we created a campaign. I mean, he wanted science and I was determined to bring back my heart and my art. And we created a campaign that was very science driven, but also very creative. And when that campaign won an FE award for business results and creativity, 
I knew I kind of found back my mojo and my courage and, and it was time to move on. And moving on meant literally jumping. Uh, another thing that kind of gave me courage is I happened to do a fire walk, realizing it's really all up to me. And even though I didn't have anything else lined up, you know, I had I didn't have time to even search for anything. I decided to to take the leap. And, you know, I'm really grateful in a weird way. It was very tough. Those were three years of of bullying. It took me three years to even say that word. Um, but those basically drove me to what I do today because those drove me to research, you know, motivation into work in the workplace. And as I mentioned before, to really focus on how we can bring more of positive psychology into leadership because I grew up in PNG. I didn't know that the world is not all human based leadership and many companies Sadly, and this is the sad truth, I thought, you know, when I was studying, I realized that what happened to me was way, way too prevalent in the business world today. I'll shock you, but do you know what percent of employees experience office bullying, Ed? You want to give a guess? 75%. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, 50%. Okay. <laughs> so you're a little extreme, but yeah, but we know, I mean, you're close in the sense that we know 87% of employees are unhappy at work, okay? We know uh, engagement is only 15%. We know that one in four employees experience acute work-related anxiety. So we know our previous models of leadership is, are not working. And come COVID, right, and we're seeing it, you know, employees are voting with their feet, with the great resignation or the silent resignation. Now there's the great breakup. So, you know, it's time urgently that we reevaluate our whole leadership models and bring more of what was considered the feminine traits, things like empathy and intuition. Now it has nothing to do about women versus men. We all have, there's no such thing as a female brain or a masculine brain. We all have traits, leadership traits that historically are considered either masculine, like logic, direction, maybe courage, right? And feminine, we were the, you know, collectors. So intuition and teamwork and even creativity. And a good leader needs to be rotating between those positive masculine, positive feminine traits. Well, I'm just saying that the business world has collapsed into what, you know, Rasi Sota, founder of conscious capitalism, he calls wounded masculinity, where it's power over people. So my book is a provocation, right? Dare to Lead Like a Girl is about shifting that paradigm. Well, you know, when we go back to your story, and thank you so much for sharing that experience you had, because I believe most of us have had bosses with whom we don't connect well, uh, we're different in how we operate, and we feel a gap between ourselves and the job we're doing, the relationships we have. And, you know, you made that observation that when he gave you feedback, he didn't do it with caring and love and empathy, but, you know, felt like a two-by-four across the forehead. And in our model for bravery at work, because sometimes what you need to say is hard to say, you're not experienced in it, or it might be you believe hard to hear by the other person, is it needs to be said with love, caring, respect, because that's the only way that person will listen. You know, if you're coming too hard, they're going to be more focused on how you're saying it versus what you're saying. 
And if you're saying it because you know that they want you to build your self-awareness and be more aware of how you're interacting with others, your likelihood for success will be greater. So again, thank you so much for sharing that with you. And I hope all of our listeners check out your book, Dare to Lead Like a Girl. And if folks want to find out more about you, Dahlia, and the work that you're doing, where can they go? Well, the best is my website, daliafeldheim.com. There's my TED Talk there, which is kind of a teaser to the book. There's my courses on happiness at work content. There's the feedback for the book. There's the, I also just founded a edutech game called happiness. So there's information about that. And yeah, there's an also opportunity with my uh, Calendly to, to kind of book a consultation or a speaking event. Cause I'm really, I feel I'm on a mission to humanize the workplace and the nice, the good news in all of this, that everything is coachable. You can teach yourself to be happier, more resilient and more empathetic. So that's my hope. And I, I just want to share something about courage because I know that's the the focus of today. But I really do believe that, you know, courage, first of all, is not the absence of fear, right? We all have fear. Courage is about facing your fear. I think the secret is digging into your superpower. If you're in a place that doesn't allow you to bring your superpowers to work, that is when you're a sign that you're in a work in, in the wrong place. So, you know, and a nice thing from a friend of mine that he just shared with me is courage is probably the most misunderstood term. People believe that it means making decisions that others don't, but courage actually comes from the French word cœur, which means heart, because the really courageous leaders lead from the heart. Well, and if you find yourself in a situation where your superpower is not being utilized or tapped into, sometimes it takes bravery to recognize it, own it, and make a decision that might be difficult to make up to including moving on and looking for another opportunity where your superpower can be tapped into. So Dahlia, thank you again for joining us today and being a guest on Be Brave at Work. Thank you so much, Ed. Lovely to be here. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore Being Brave at Work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.